Welcome to a very special edition of Grand New Podcast. Matt cannot be here today. He's working right now, but I am joined by Gen Z GOP and the Teen Federation of Virginia. Great to have you on, guys. I'm joined by Ashton Wilcox. He's been on local uh, TV recently. Brady Hill is doing a lot of work in New Kent. Josh Lyon of Twitter fame and Ryan Duchette. Ryan has some good Twitter posts that really get some traction. So that's how that's how I know who you are. But um, right now, Ryan is on mute. Um, are you good? Perfect. All good. All good. All right. Um, let's start off with this. Uh, I'm really, really impressed by what Gen Z GOP has done. So I'll start, uh, Ashton, with you um, in regards to pushing back against Q. Why? Um, yeah. Sorry. Why does Gen Z, um, so, Gen um, Z GOP feel like, I mean, you guys have gotten a handle on mm-hmm. where we need to go as a party. And even, quite frankly, millennials don't have that handle, at least a lot of them. So yeah. What made you guys speak out? So um, the effort, um, the letter was not through Gen Z GOP, even though it was supported. Um, it was through teenage, the teenage um, Republican TARS. We um, had a coalition of about, I would say, I could say 10 people that were from a numerous amount of states from, you know, Mississippi all the way to Massachusetts. Wow. And, um, you know, we all came together because we had realized that we've been dealing with some people within, you know, not just TARS but within the Republican Party that have been espousing conspiracy theories and stuff that is just not helpful to promote conservatism around the United States. So we decided to um, we decided to draft a letter and put all our names on it and tweet it out and see if like it gained any traction. And it did. I mean, Denver and then Jake Tapper and then everyone else, Jeb Bush. I mean, it gained way more traction than, you know, me, Ryan, Josh or Brady even dreamed of. So I think that it was, it was, it was a definitely like, I, it was a pretty crazy night, I would say. Mm-hmm. And then um, in regards to Gen Z GOP, I know Ryan can speak on this. Um, I think that we're, our effort has definitely seen since January 6th and some of those, you know, some of those certain events, we've definitely seen, you know, a growth in people being interested and understanding that we're not, you know, certain organizations that, you know, that are just going to do this thing, but we're actually pushing for real change within the party. So I think that like people are starting to recognize that. And I mean, just from me being the outreach coordinator and directing a lot of recruitment within the org, I've seen, you know, numbers go crazy. Like so many people are super pumped about like, you know, the needed change obviously within our party. So yeah, I'll leave that there. Okay. Yeah. Brady. And, you know, I've known you uh, for a little while now and what you've done in New Kent and, you know, I, <laughs> I won't name them, but there definitely are a few figures that were in TARS that were espousing crazy conspiracy theories. So is that why you really felt personally responsible to speak out? Because I mean, we have to, we really have to figure um, Gen Z and millennials, I believe, according to certain polling, um, only 18% of us identify as Republicans. So is that why, especially in Virginia, Brady, you decided to direct TARS in the right direction? Yeah, definitely. You know, kind of kind of the big reason this happened is there were some leadership changes in another state that a lot of us didn't like. You know, they, they had some people on there that endorsed kind of the conspiracy theories and some, you know, congressional politicians that were going down that, well, have gone down that route in the past and presently going down that route. So that's kind of where it all came from. Um, you know, we all got together. I think it's from about six federations, North Carolina, Massachusetts, 
South Carolina, um, a few Georgia people, Mississippi, and then of course, Virginia. And we kind of came together, wrote a letter, all signed on to it, like Ashton said, tweeted it out. Um, you know, we've had issues in our own federation with some people that we thought were, were good people, and it turned out they weren't, so we had to kind of cut them loose. Um, yeah, I think mostly the reason we, want, we wanted to do it was because we want to take a stand against something that shouldn't even be needing to be taking. It should just be a given thing that conspiracy theories shouldn't be in our party, and it's unfortunate that some elected officials and you know, even some would say our former president have kind of condoned those or not, you know, or been silent about some of those conspiracy theories like QAnon. Yeah, and it's definitely disappointing. Josh, what has been your experience in this whole thing? Because I've seen you're very vigilant on Twitter against yeah. this type of people. So the way I feel about Q is at the end of the day, it makes normal Republicans look bad because there's that really conspiracy-driven wing of our party that's really into it so when it comes to like moderate voters they'll look at those republicans and be like oh that's a normal republican somebody who believes in all these nasty conspiracy theories yeah and it's really just dry it turns off the swing voters right so yeah. th there's really no way for our party to continue to grow if we don't cut ties with that wing of the party because it just makes us look bad in front of like undecided voters well so that's we kind have, of my take we have on to, it we have to keep in mind i mean it's not like it's not like um, this hasn't been done before. Yeah. Um, this has been done um, by, you know, <laughs> before these people became really a part of our base, they were the Dixiecrats. The Democrats mm -hmm. kicked them out. The Democrats kicked them out. So if they were able to do it, we can too. Amazing Republican leader in Charlie Baker. Have you seen kind of the, the fervent... Um, radicalization of the party that we have witnessed down south happen in Massachusetts or no? Yeah, so something you may not know about me, I actually used to live in Northern Virginia. Um, so I lived in Vienna for a couple of years um, and left in 2018 and came up to Mass. Um, and about that time, Virginia started hitting the gutter uh, with its politics. Some of the, uh, I left a week after Corey Stewart won the senatorial oh nomination. Okay. Um, so it was, it was kind of cool to go up to mass where things were still normal. However, that did not last long. Um, I, I do think when you have a moderate Republican in a blue state, people often bring out the word rhino. Yeah. Um, and then a lot of the governor supporters, which easily, um, outnumber the Republicans who think he's a rhino, they just stop associating with the party altogether. Um, because they don't need to. In Massachusetts, it's a lot easier to get elected as more of a conservative Democrat than it is to get elected as a moderate Republican. So it doesn't always line up. That being said, we do have a moderate Republican governor um, who's overwhelmingly supported, even still in the, today's party. Um, but some of the party leadership doesn't always embrace that uh, sentiment. Okay, yeah. So, I, I mean, and we see this. It's interesting because, yes, it is a loud minority of these voters who are peddling conspiracy theories, peddling hateful uh, rhetoric online. But then it's interesting when we get to the House floor, a lot of people actually backed up Liz Cheney and didn't kick her out for speaking her mind. So I think what happened on the House floor was very interesting. I will say it is disappointing, and uh, I, I commend the Republicans, the 11 Republicans that spoke out 
um, and voted to strip uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene of her committee assignments. Um, but it's not enough. So with the youth, how do we, because I feel like with the millennials, with Gen Z, there is an element of people conflate conservatism with online trolling. And that's really it. So, and I feel like that does appeal to a small amount of the youth because, I mean, let's face it, in Charlottesville, a lot of those kids were like your age with the torches. So what will you guys do to combat this going forward? Ashton, we could start back with you. I think that like to combat this, especially with online trolling, I think that like right now, certain figureheads that are very loud on social media that a lot of, you know, I would say young conservatives attract themselves to, I'm not going to name names, but you know who they are. Mm -hmm. um, they, they will say loud things and they won't really speak on a policy, but they'll just say like these really things that will get them the, the likes and the retweets and the, 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 they'll, they'll get all these likes and retweets by saying like the other side's the enemy or this, 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 that, the other side, the other side, well, without actually exposing conservative beliefs or conservative principles or reading, you know, William F. Buckley or reading, sure. you know, Irving Crystal, not reading any, you know, even like theory about conservative theory. They're just, they want to be part of that. Like, like, I would not say angry on social media, but I'd say like mm -hmm. someone who just wants to keep like blaming, blaming the other side without actually like trying to propose, or excuse me, propose. The like, own the so, lib side. Yes. The own the lib side is exactly, you know, the point, like, we got to own them. We got to own them. But while we can make ourselves look better as a party, if we decided to, you know, focus on legislation that is conservative, but could be, you know, bipartisan and could look really good for us because that will win over independent voters. The owning the libs turns off a lot of independent voters because it's loud and kind of annoying. And at the end of the day, voters care about like, like, so am I going to have enough money to like feed my family and everything else? They don't care about we're, if we're owning the libs or if we're doing some crazy party thing, you know, they care about, you know, their families, how much, if they're gonna be able to put food on the table and such. And like a few from, for a few years, we have seen with the exception of few people like just saying these crazy partisan rhetoric without, you know, proposing really good legislation like we have had in the past. Well, talk about legislation. I mean, uh, Brady Tars was uh, a huge uh, part of this and, and the rest of you, I'm sure had some hand in this. Uh, you guys actually lobbied legislation um, and this bill will allow you to take off what one day a year, a school year to yep, lobby so. and, and activate and, uh, you know, um, participate in elections. So how significant is this going forward? Well, I, Virginia will be the first in the country to pass something like this. We had two versions, one in the Senate and one in the House. They both passed with wide margins of bipartisan support. Uh, myself, Josh, and Ashton were all working together with the, uh, the young Democrats of Virginia team caucus with Matt Savage and Adrian Clates, uh, and making sure that we lobby for this legislation. What it does is it gives students, once it passes, it's expected to pass the House on crossover, and then the governor has said he will sign it. Um, what, what it's expected to do is the Virginia Department of Education will set guidelines for it, but what it does is it gives students an excused absence. Uh, you know, they're going to set how many days, but it'll be probably a one day a year mm -hmm. to take off for civic or political engagement. That could mean, you know, going to the General Assembly, uh, virtual or in person, lobbying for bills in subcommittee or committee that you that will have an impact on your life, kind of like what we've been doing. Um, obviously, it's a little easier during virtual, but I don't think we're going to be virtual uh, you know, maybe for the rest of this year, 
don't think we'll be virtual once COVID kind of dies down and we get that under control. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been great. We've gotten a lot of press attention from it. We've been really focused on making sure that Republicans support it, making sure we explain that, hey, this isn't a political uh, piece of legislation. It's apolitical. And, you know, you know we've, we had seven Republicans in the House support it, and we had four Republicans in the Senate. Um, and obviously, Jennifer McClellan in the Senate, she was very supportive for yeah, both I, of our I organizations. Yeah, I saw that. I, I was pretty surprised by that. Yeah, she, she's been great, and she's definitely helped us get this bill along. Uh, you know, Sam Rasool in the House, uh, you know, and the, the few Republicans that did support it, I just kind of want to call them out and thank them. Uh, you know, Tommy Norman, Bryce Reeves, Jill yeah. Vogel, especially Siobhan Donovan, she was very vocal in support of it. On the House side, we had Jeff Campbell, uh, James, uh, Delegate Ed- Edmonds, we had Keith Hodges, Roxanne Robinson, Kerry Coiner, Buddy Fowler was actually very in support of it. He gave a quote to the Washington Post. So did Glenn Davis. He was one target of our lobbying efforts. We, you know, I know Glenn very well and, and uh, you know, some of his staff. And, you know, we, we definitely wanted to target him as part of our, um, our lobbying. And he was very supportive of it in committee and definitely was outspoken of support of 1940 and our, uh, and our initiatives. Yeah, Josh. Um... Did you have anybody who, you know, that you can name who was adamantly against this bill that you uh, came across? Yeah, so when I was doing my part in reaching out to legislatures, trying to get their support for the bill, um, one legislature I was really hoping would vote to pass the bill out of committee was Mark Cole. However, he did email me back saying that he didn't think that this was something that should be mandated by Richmond. And to me, what I interpreted that as is if Richmond doesn't mandate this, you're leaving it up to localities on whether or not students will have the First Amendment rights to be able to leave school and go participate in civic events. And maybe it's not a direct infringement of your First Amendment rights, but it's definitely not supporting them. So that's a big thing for me. And also what I think this bill is really great for, especially for teenage Republicans, as the party moves towards conventions to nominate statewide candidates, let's say these conventions fall on a school day, right? What if the school is a little bit more left-leaning and says, no, you can't go, the non-excused absence, it's not good enough reason to miss school, right? So that's a reason that I think it should be passed because it's going to inhibit youth involvement, not just in like just universal politics in Virginia, but especially Republican politics. Absolutely. Ryan, do you think up by you, this type of bill could get passed and this could spread? Yeah, so a couple of years ago, the Massachusetts Teenage Republicans, alongside the Massachusetts High School Democrats, um, passed a bill not too similar to this, but same general civics-minded idea. Mm-hmm. Um, essentially, what it did was create kind of a final project in eighth grade and twelfth grade that had to be s- kind of surrounding civics. Um, so it was cool to see my sister in eighth grade do that last year. Um, that being said, um, I'm sure there's momentum to have something similar passed. Um, I know in a local, a lot of the local districts, um, including my own, uh, there's uh, definitely an understanding of if you want to miss school for something like this, it's yeah. often excused. That being said, it's definitely not mandated. Um, and there's definitely something to be looked at on Beacon Hill. Awesome. Yeah, I have to, sorry. Um, and for the like momentum with other states, um, we've had like <clears throat> people from other states from, you know, across the aisle, you know, Pennsylvania, Mississippi, and a few other states of people that have been interested in what we've been doing in Virginia and maybe want to bring that to their state legislator. So I think this is not just a Virginia thing. I hopefully it will go, you know, across the nation and across party lines to, you know, 
Absolutely. like how help people get in, involved. Well, and, and as a teacher, I, you know, I'm very critical. Uh, social studies, especially in Virginia, I think has been kneecapped. Um, and civics has been kneecapped. I mean, when I was in school, civics was mandatory. Now it's not um, in a lot of the curriculum. So that is definitely something that we have to repair going forward. Um, now, looking at our 2021 field, that's going to be crucial. I'm running, as you guys know, for the House of Delegates. Um, it's going to be a big year for our party and a chance to move in a new direction. Um, when it comes to the governorship, um, what predictions do you guys have? Who do you guys think on the ground with uh, Gen Z um, and amongst teens, um, who interests you the most? So we will start with, we'll go Brady, Josh, Ryan, back to Ashley. Brady, yeah, Ryan. so, you know, these, these views don't reflect – uh, you know, the teenage Republican generation sure. of Virginia. I think that's spoken for everyone in Massachusetts and Gen Z GOP for Ryan as well, um, and Ashton. So, you know, I already know who I'm supporting. Um, and, you know, kind of the person who I saw was the person that was advocating for youth. It's Kirk Cox, you know, okay. he's got 30 plus years of winning. Um, he's brought forward, you know, he's brought actual initiative forward for getting schools reopened. He's got a great education plan. He's got a lot of energy, uh, a lot of charisma. Uh, he, you know, he's a very nice guy. Um, he's got a very, um, you know, two good sons who I know. Um, and he's just, I think he's the good mix of conservative, but as well as with some good ideas, some good policy, you know, accomplishments and a record to back that up mm -hmm. that can help them win not only a nomination, but that can help him go up against someone like Terry McAuliffe. He's got 30 plus years of fundraising and out of the current field, I don't see anyone else who, you know, can stand a chance against any of the democratic nominees or candidates, potential nominees against, uh, you know, I think Terry McAuliffe is going to be that nominee. And I think the only person that can go up and, you know, kind of go up against him is Kurt Cox. Sure. And, and you know, uh, we are interviewing all of the candidates for governor. So definitely uh, stay tuned to the podcast for that. Um, we're having Glenn Youngkin on in our next episode. Um, and Pete's a good friend of the podcast. Um, Josh, uh, who, do you, who do you think? Yeah, so someone who really has been sticking out to me recently is also Kirk Cox. Uh -huh. So when I look at Kirk Cox's career, 30 plus years in public service, I don't see a man who's chasing a higher position or a paycheck. I see a man who genuinely cares about his community and all, all Virginians mm -hmm. and also just his leadership within the House of Delegates, I think is going to be crucial in running the executive branch here in Virginia. So really, I'm just really excited about Kirk Cox. And I also like Brady, I see him as the only candidate who really has what it takes to take on TMAC and get um, Virginia back on track. Awesome. All right. Uh, Ryan, curveball for you. Um, do you think that Charlie Baker if he decides to run again? We'll, we'll give a little Massachusetts flavor for you before we go to Ashton. Um, do you think Joe Kennedy has a chance of winning the governor's mansion? Because I think that's going to – I think he's going to run against Charlie or whoever. The sure, yeah. I mean, I always use my grandma as a good bellwether mm -hmm. uh, polling subject because she's your traditional um, kind of blue-collar family Democrat. That being said, I already pulled her on this question. She was like, Charlie Baker, 100%. I do think when you have someone like Kennedy, who has very much been seeking higher office since, you know, the day he's been born, people see through that. Massachusetts is a highly educated state. 
people know what works and what doesn't work. Um, and I think you have that same kind of type of ordeal in Virginia. Mm-hmm. People want someone who's actually been working for them, who's going to work for them. Um, and Charlie Baker's pretty much done that. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if Kennedy does decide to run. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I just don't, I don't see anywhere else for him to go. I mean, he could try Senate again, but I mean, I don't know. Ed Markey, look, I thought Kennedy would win that race, but Ed Markey, once he put that ad out, I think that that is the most brutal political ad I've ever seen, period, against another candidate. Um, Ashton, who are you thinking, Virginia politics, um, who do you think is going to the governor's mansion on the Republican so, side? Um, I might differ from some of my fellow board members here, but I'm I'm openly supporting. I endorsed um, Pete Snyder. I think okay. um, I've met I've met Pete over um, Zoom and phone calls before, and um, what he's done with the 40 day fund, especially with um, Governor Northam's lockdown orders, and especially with a lot of businesses struggling with throughout this pandemic, has been fantastic. And you know, I think Pete's Pete's definitely came in a bit late. But I think now, I mean, he's been picked up by national press. I, I saw that the Democratic Governors Association was tweeting about him, which oh, yeah. he has been the only one to get the pleasure of being hate, hate tweeted at yet by the DGA, which means that the DGA is scared. So um, because that's usually what happens when, you know, if, if the DGA tweeted about everyone, I'd be like, ah, but D, the DGA must be scared of Pete. So he's definitely bringing some extra energy. And, you know, he's not been in Richmond for 30 years, you know, or he hasn't done that, but he definitely has brought, you know, the, the type of vibes of like being a businessman and being a successful one and helping out his community. You know, he's a community leader within his um, community of um, like raising money for those businesses infect- impacted. And he's been doing that. And he's been like in the party. He's been on Fox News a ton, you know, before as a contributor. And, um, you know, he's been uncomfortably smug. I don't know if you know the Twitter account. He's been on his podcast. He was yesterday. So I think that Pete would be a great, you know, challenge to T-Mac because I think a lot of people right now are sick of Ralph Northam and Terry McAuliffe and sick of that type of governorship. And I think Pete would bring a lot of like um, that mojo back because he's been super big about opening the schools and super big about opening up business again. Sure. Now, uh, last but not least, as we bring it to a close, um, how can for TARS and TARS can go first and then Gen Z GOP, how can we find or how can, you know, if a teen is listening to this podcast, how can they join up? Yeah, so you can either email us at Virginia Teenage Republicans at gmail.com or you can contact us on any of our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram accounts. Our Twitter is B-A-T-R-F-V. Uh, our Facebook is just Teenage Republican Federation of Virginia and our Instagram is Virginia Teenage Republicans. Uh, you can contact us on any of those. And we will get back to you, whether you want to join as a member, start a chapter, or just get involved. Okay. And Gen Z GOP, where can, uh, where can other Gen Zers find you? Yeah, um, Gen Z GOP. Oh, sorry. Oh, you're good. You're good. Ryan, go at, Gen Z, at Gen Z GOP.org. Um, and similarly, we always encourage our members to also look locally within their communities for any other Republican groups that they would like to join. So make sure you do both of those. All right. Fantastic. And definitely, um, I would definitely say that, you know, um, all of us, um, except for Ryan, I'm talking about for both Gen Z GOP and VA, you know, for the VA Teenage Republicans, I'm, my Twitter DMs are open. So if anything is, you know, everyone, if anyone ever wants to join or reach out or have questions about either group, I'm always free to answer them. And I know Josh and our 
and Ryan are the same for Gen Z GOP and Virginia Teenage Republicans, respectively. So, you know, if you want to reach out, my personal Twitter is Wilcox underscore Ashton. And um, Josh probably knows, I don't know his off the top of my head or Ryan's, but, you know, I'm usually open to my DMs and I usually can respond pretty quickly. I'm kind of a hawk on social media. I'm, too, on, too, I'm on it too much, but, you know, we're definitely super responsive. And if you DM our, um, our main account as well for uh, Virginia Teenage Republicans. All right, and Josh, what are you at? Josh Lyon, I believe. Yeah, it's at Josh Lyon VA. So my Twitter yeah. DMs are always open. If you have any questions, just want to chat on my phone pretty much a lot. So I'll get back to you within probably the hour. Okay. All right. Fantastic. All right, guys. Thank you so much for uh, coming on. I'm very hopeful of the future of this party and uh, keep up really the hard work. Thank you so much, Mike. Thank and you, I Mike. encourage everyone to um, support Mike as he uh, runs against Lee Carter. This is an extremely important election, and I am excited to support him in this. So let's go, Mike. Thank you so much, guys. I'm looking forward to it. Awesome. All right, guys. See ya. See ya. Thank you.